Welcome to the Do More Podcast, where we share strategies and tips for improving your life in every aspect. Here's your host, John Farling. All right, welcome back, everybody. Today, I've got a, uh, a friend that goes back, what, I think four or five years. We met at the Storage Rebellion uh, Mastermind. I think that was 2020. And uh, we've both been involved with that. And he, I know he's a, uh, a dentist and also obviously invests in self-storage. But want to learn a little bit more about him. So, uh, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Thanks, John. I appreciate you having me on here. Um, sure. I, I, you know, I've been a dentist for almost 20 years now. Um, started you know, off in like 2004, 2005. And, um, you know, just, just working in the, in the dental office. And I've always been kind of interested in real estate. And I remember, you know, going uh, back then, they used to have like the radio playing on the on the speakers while I was doing root canals. And, and, and there's, there was this place near us that was uh, like a real estate training school, uh, Investors United. And they always ran these ads on, and they said, oh, you know, come Wednesday evenings, you know, you can we'll teach everything, you know, you know about real estate, investing in real estate. I'm like, ah, that sounds really cool. It was on the way home from work because I had like a 50 mile commute then. I was practicing oh, wow. kind of far from, from home. So I remember just like one day I'm like, all right, I'm doing it. So I stopped, stopped by their, their place one day after work and I signed up and it was like a year long course and met every Wednesday nights. And, you know, I, I, I did that and I just met some, some good people there and, networked and just started, you know, buying and flipping houses, um, you know, fixing and flip houses and buy and hold, you know, the year after that. Um, and just really, really enjoyed it. And I thought, you know what, man, if I could, if I could, you know, make a living doing this, that this, this would be a lot of fun. So, um, I just started getting really into it and we, we started, I think at one point we were flipping, you know, anywhere from, you know, 20, 30 houses a year. We got wow. up, to that, up to that point. So it was, you know, it was kind of a business. And, and at that point, you know, this is back in like 2000, 14, something like that, 2016. And I kind of, I kind of paused at that point. I said, you know what, this is, this is fun. I'm enjoying myself, but it, it's kind of a job, you know, like I'm, I'm working almost as much as this at this, that I am doing my dental job, but I might as well just you know, do my root canals or something, you know? <clears throat> so I kind of took a pause from that. I, I joined a couple of masterminds, I joined the life and air mastermind. And um, at that point uh, there was a guy there named uh, Mike Wagner, who, um, went on to form another mastermind called the storage rebellion. And I kind of noticed like my, my buddies and my, my life in their mastermind, including you know, people we all know, like Ken Holmes and, <clears throat> and some other people um, that we're mutual friends with uh, started ditching their residential portfolios and, and buying storage and just talking about how, how awesome it was. And like, Oh, this is so much better. You know, just it's really seemed to be happy with it. And, and uh, I thought, well, this is interesting. So um Ended up joining a Mike Matwick Miners group. Um, I think it was 2000 and it was probably 2020. Yeah. Um, but, you know, just stepping back a little bit, what kind of uh, pushed me to take action was um, when COVID hit, we had to close the dental office. Mm. So, you know, we closed the office for at least three months. And I'm sitting there thinking, man, like when I'm not in the dental chair, I'm not making money. So, I, I, you know, to me, that's kind of an uncomfortable feeling. So I said, you know, I, we need to have some other, maybe like additional income stream or another way to, you know, to earn money where I don't have to physically be in a particular spot. So um, that's what kind of pushed me to go ahead and, and, and join Mike's mastermind. Um, that's where I met you and met a bunch of other really cool people. Yeah. Um, I'm going to, and I, I don't want to interrupt, but I want to pause you a little bit because I want to get into all that, but I also want to get back into kind of why you got into real estate. It mm-hmm. sounds like uh, we're about the same age. It sounds like we probably mm-hmm. had somewhat, I wasn't a dentist. But somewhat of the same uh, trajectory. I started getting into uh, real estate in 2014. It sounds like you did too. Mm-hmm. So when you became a dentist, 
um, to 2014. So sounds like a decade. What happened that decade? Were you just focused on being a dentist? It sounds like at some point, maybe around 2014, you heard that commercial about getting in the uh, investment real estate. What kind of happened in that transition? It was actually <clears throat> probably, it was actually 2008. We started uh, doing that. Okay. And it was right after the, um, the great recession and, and stuff was, you know, you could buy houses super cheap. You could yeah. buy houses on a credit card, you know, that, that's, yeah. that's amazing to think about them, but you know, houses were going for, you know, 20,000, 30,000, you know, it's way less than the cost of construction. So <clears throat> I had a, a cousin of mine who, who was really into real estate also. And he was, he was buying, um, uh, a real estate tax, uh, HOA tax liens in Las Vegas. So he, he was mm-hmm. buying houses for like two to $4,000 at the, at the HOA tax sale. And it was wiping out the, the, the mortgage. So he, he was, and you know, I kind of watched him do that. And I think he ended up buying like 85 of them or something like that. And he's been, he's been just living in Panama ever since then, wow. <laughs> just, just living off the rental income. So, you know, I, I watched that happen and I said, you know what, I can do that too. So that's, that's kind of was the impetus for getting into, into fix and flip and buy and hold back in 2008, 2009. Cause gotcha. the opportunities were all over the place. Yeah. Um, that's cool. Yeah. Actually, um, um, guy I just had on uh podcast before years is going to air. Uh, Sean Magner, mm-hmm. um, his story was somewhat similar to where it's like we meet people in life that uh, and we and a lot of his episode was talking about people that he's met in life and people that he's surrounded with. And we become the average of those people that we're around. Right. Um, so it sounds like your cousin had a huge <laughs> impact there. You saw what he was doing, how it changed his life. So was that did you want to, I guess, because you're still a dentist now, right? Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm doing, I'm kind of like stepping it down, down to like two days a week now. Okay. I started off as back then doing five days a week. You know, it's, it's, an, it's a long, it's like a nine to 10 hour day, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. So but, when you yeah. got in the real estate, was it something that you just wanted to supplement and kind of a retirement plan or is it something <laughs> where you're like, you know what, I do want to stop being a dentist at some point um, and real estate will get me there. What was the, what was the main reason getting in the real estate? Uh, it, it was mostly the financial independence piece of it. Like I, I, I just love the idea of, of, you know, being able to live anywhere and, and, you know, just being able to do what you want when you want, you know? Um, and it's, it's, it's tough to do that, especially as a dentist, like you, it's hard to leave the office. Like if you want to take a, you know, take a, take a vacation, you can, like even my colleagues very rarely do we go away, you know, cause you, you gotta, you gotta leave your patients for a week and it's just, it's just hard. So I just felt, you know, it, I've been doing it for almost 20 years now. I just feel like it's, it'd be nice to be able to, you know, be financially independent, be able to do what, what you want, when you want, wherever you want, you know? So I, I feel right. like uh, real estate, especially storage gives you the opportunity to do that. Yeah. And, and actually, you know, I, you know, sometimes I'll talk to people like, Oh, I should have bought storage back in the, you know, back in the day, but, but we can get into it later. But, you know, technology wasn't really there to remote manage. This is really a pretty recent thing within the last couple of years. Do we have the call centers and the software and the technology to be able to really run these things remotely? So this is more of a recent opportunity. I, I, I feel like, Yep. No, hundred percent agree. Uh, yeah, we do definitely want to get into that. Um, so your first deal sounds like you've done, and I didn't know you did, um, fix and flips. So you did, um, sounds like 20, 30 year. What was the, what was the first one? What did that look like? How did you fund it? Were you nervous? Did you have people helping you? You're talking about the thick, like the, the houses, like the residential. Yeah. Yep. Um, You're very- <clears throat> the first one I did was, was a wholesale deal from, a from someone at the investors United, um, and just, man, did I make every mistake in the book? It was, you know, it was in a, a, a nice neighborhood in Baltimore city though. And it's one of those old townhouses where like the entire thing has to be renovated. You'd have to like gut it to the shell. 
And, you know, for my first one, because I'm an overachiever, you know, I did like the, the maximum rehab on this thing, right? You like gutted it to the shell. We actually had to dig the basement out because the basements were kind of short, you know? So we were there with like dumpsters and guys and with, with shovels, like digging out the basement. We had to like underpin it. So I had to do like structural supports, you know, because it's just like this old brick shell and you had to actually build a foundation under the brick after you dug the basement so you could like make a full full size you know finished basement down there so we did everything in the house put the deck on the back you know added bathrooms and, and i think we might have even put addition on the back too it, it was just crazy it, but <clears throat> unfortunately i had you know just shows you like the importance of partners i, I picked the wrong partner I, there was a guy there investors united who was um Look like a mover and shaker and somebody who was really you know taking a lot of action so everybody kind of wanted gravitated to this guy and wanted to work with him so he agreed to work with me on this one but it turned out he was just he could just siphoning money off the job and 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 do buying other things with it right so unfortunately the job dragged on for like over a year oh, wow. and um we ended up selling it we ended up losing money on that one mostly because of uh, essentially embezzlement from from the partner but wow. um yeah a lot of lessons learned on that one and just goes to show you my my dedication to real estate. Even after that first experience, I'm like, let's do another. <laughs> so, well, so I found different would, partners though, but we, we kept going and we ended up building a you know a decent. That's awesome. Well, and, and you went super hard, super fast on your first yeah. one. Yeah, I mean that's as far as a fix and flip. Like it doesn't get much more difficult than that, unless you're just right. going to burn the thing down and completely right. rebuild and it, which right. <laughs> sounds like you did. Other than the shell, um, right. So what made you keep going even after that? Um, you know, it sounds like over a year you lost money. What made you keep right. going? Uh, it's mostly because I, I knew, I mean, I knew it was, it was, it had potential and, you know, I, I knew plenty of people who were doing it and doing fine. I just need to surround myself with those people, you know? So mm. I think at that point I was going to like every RIA meeting in the state almost, you know, it was like every night I was going to RIA meeting, meeting people, you know, just building my network, lenders, you know, um, agents, you know, other potential partners and stuff. And I ended up meeting other people I could work with who were, were you know, honest and, and decent people. So um, I just can't stress enough, you know, when people ask about, you know, how to get into the business or what to do next. It's it's the networking. You, you and I know this is a people business, right? So it's just surrounding yourself with the people who might have the different resources you you might not have, like time or money or, or skills or whatever, and just, and just putting something together, you know, and, and, and off to the races. So, um, but also I, I kind of, I just kind of enjoyed it. I don't know. I just love the, you know, taking something and, and refreshing and rebuilding and putting it back out there as, as nice and new, you know? So um, kind of taking that over to, through the storage part too. I, you know, I kind of gravitate to the, to the, to the value add deals and stuff where you have to put a lot of <laughs> work into. So, um, but it's been fun. No, that's awesome. Yeah. Network is uh and it's a common theme that comes up is right. um, your network and, how strong your network is is how strong your business is and what right. what you're going to do and how long you're going to do it. I wait I waited cuz I got in real estate investing in 2014. I did one rental a year and did one fix and flip, so that was 5 years and didn't network. Like I listened mm -hmm. to podcasts, read books, but didn't network. So I could only realistically could I've done more pro probably, but if you have people around you and you're and you're networking and you see what other people are doing, it's just, it's a cheat code, right? Right. Just get you there faster. Yeah. Um, so it sounds like you did fix and flip for about a 10 years, right? Mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> yeah. Yeah. I guess any rentals in there or all fix and flip? Uh, no, it was, we, we built up a small rental portfolio. Um, and uh, we did, you just, just fixing and flipping and buying and holding as, as it seemed appropriate. Right. Um, and then, and then eventually, 
we ended up going separate ways with, with my with my partner there, and and I, I took like a year. You know, what the advice for my uh, for my my mastermind, you know, like, look, you've been working so hard on this on this rehab business, and you know, it's become like a little. It's it's you know, like you said, it's it's got a little too much. So they recommended I take like a year off and just do nothing and just kind of sit and think for a while, you know. And that's that's what I did. And that's a hard thing to do when when you're somebody who likes to do do things and take action. It's hard to sit and do nothing. And I remember this is a quote from uh, another group that I'm in, uh, Front Row Dads, which I highly recommend. Um, stillness, stillness is a move. Was mm. a takeaway from our, from our most recent meeting. And it's it's like when you think about it, you know, like if, if you're in a place where maybe you, you feel like you've lost your way or things may be a little bit hectic, like if you could just if you take a break, don't feel guilty to take that break and just be quiet for a while because that's actually a move. So um, that's really good. Yeah, because most of us think. <laughs> I, we should probably take action and massive action, right? right. And maybe it'll, we'll overturn it with that. But no, that's that's awesome. I've never heard that before. Yeah, that's yeah. Cool. So that was it. Wait, I took a year and I did nothing, like it's, which was extremely hard for me to do. Yeah, um, especially like and and the thing that you know I'm kind of working through this myself. But you know we're we're all on social media, we're on Facebook, we all we all friends who are doing stuff, and, and you're watching people like really do things and 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 you know make make, take a lot of action and build their business. And it's hard to just sit there and be like, you know what, I'm going to do nothing this year, or I'm going to do nothing for the next six months. It's, it's hard to do. Um, but we did it, you know, I did it for like a year and, and I just had time to think and time to, time to reprocess and stuff. And, um, that's, that's when I kind of started looking more towards like commercial real estate and, and, you know, at that point I was like, okay, shit, is it, is it multifamily? Is it, what else, what is it? So I'm just kind of looking for the next thing. And, um, I was actually interested with um, it's as early as 2018, we were, we started to make offers on storage. You know, we hadn't joined the storage rebellion yet, but we were just kind of like trying to figure it out on our own and just throwing offers out there. And uh, everything that I had offered, I should have just bought. <laughs> right, Even kind of looking back on it, like that was a deal at the ask price. But um, yeah, it wasn't until I really joined the mastermind in, in 2020 that things really started to happen for me. Yeah. Okay. So you, so how, so did you find storage through Mike Wagner through Life and Air or through another channel? It's pretty much through, through Wagner. It's, 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 you know, it's just the guys just watching what the other guys are doing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that was 18 when you started looking at deals. Where were you looking at storage deals initially? Um, There was actually some stuff in Maryland, believe it or not, that, that showed up. Um, Yeah. I, I was kind of, trying to, you know, I hadn't really learned the whole remote management thing yet. So I, I was kind of looking close to me, like, uh, you know, Virginia, Maryland, <clears throat> Pennsylvania, just trying to find something there. I, I uh, invested in a bunch of uh, Ken Holmes's deals as a passive mm-hmm. investor um, between 2018, 2019. So I was in like almost, almost all of this stuff. Um, just kind of watching how that was going um, and just kind of learning, you know, from, from him a little bit. Um, and then it was, you know, right in the middle of 2020 when I was sitting at home, like, okay, I gotta, gotta do something. That's when I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm signing up for this group. So. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so it sounds like, yeah, you, you started investing passively in storage. Mm-hmm. It's kind of proof of concept. It's like, okay, yeah. let's see if this thing works. And obviously it worked on your end and, and, uh, uh, the owner's end as well. Um, so then you started looking for your first deals. You joined, you joined mastermind, started looking for your, your deals. Um, how did that go? What did that look like in 2020? Um, <clears throat> well, what I did, you know, it, when you're first starting out, it can seem really hard to find a deal, you know, because you haven't developed your networks yet and you haven't really underwritten a lot of stuff. And, um, you know, everything you're looking at is what everybody else is looking at, you know, so you, you don't really have those, those 
those uh, private you know relationships where people are going to send you stuff personally. Um, so it, it was tough at first. It felt you know kind of overwhelming. Like, oh my gosh, how am I supposed to find a deal? All these other people are finding deals. Why can't I find a deal? Um, so what I did and while you're working full time too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was still doing four days a week then. Uh, but what I did to kind of prepare myself is I just I just underwrote everything, right? I just mm-hmm. so look at I just practice underwriting, practice underwriting, practice using the spreadsheets, you know, to, to the point where I knew what I was after and I could do it quickly, so that when something came my way, I could I could I could take action like immediately. So there was a there was a guy in our group posted a posted a deal on, on the on the Storage Rebellion Network. And I had been underwriting, it was a smaller deal, it was like 9,000 square feet in Clinton, South Carolina. And uh, I had been underwriting these smaller deals like for months, right? So I knew like as soon as I saw it, I'm like, okay, I know, I know I can do something with this one. You know, I had an extra acre attached to it. It was a, it was a, it was, you know, 30% occupied or whatever, had low rents. I'm like, I know I can do this. So I, I within like 45 minutes, I had the thing. I reached out and said, all right, I want this one, you know, just, it's just the speed uh, was there because I had been practicing. Yeah. Um, so I was able to basically for first was a wholesale deal from somebody else in our network, you know? So that was, it was the first deal. And I called a good friend of mine, Steve Cavanaugh. I said, Hey man, let's take this one down. And he said, sure. So we, we you know, put under contract and flew down there, looked at it. Um, interestingly enough, like would I buy the same one today? I don't know if I would, you know, cause I guess, you know, we kind of move on and cause this one, this one was a heavy lift, you know, it was, it was a, um, 9,000 square foot, completely neglected the family inherited from, you know, the dad and they didn't want anything to do with it. Um, just grass driveways, you know, it had, it had an extra acre, but it was fully forested, you know, um, in the middle of like behind another business off of, off of a road and in, in the small town of Clinton. Right. <clears throat> so, so we buy this thing um, and immediately we start, I, I kind of call it the three ring circus where it's kind of like a, you have to fix the management. You have to like rehab the property, and also maybe you want to build something too. So it's like <laughs> it's like you have to manage all those all those things all at the same time. Um, so that that's it. We just we just bought this thing. We started trying to turn around the management. Luckily, you know, I only had one to work on, so I could put a lot of time into it, and it took a lot of time. You know, to fix to fix everything up and just trying to find contractors to repair the thing. It was all drywall on the inside and, and holes in it, so we had to tear the drywall out, put new metal sheeting in there. Um, you know, had no internet, so we had to had to figure out how to install internet. You know, in, in the middle of a field. Um, Why? Uh, and I I want to keep diving into this deal. Yeah. I'm going to interrupt really quick. Um, I've got a facility that has drywall interior to a block wall mm-hmm. outside, drywall inside. Why did you guys decide to rip all the drywall out? Well, it was moldy, and mm-hmm. also it had holes in it, and it just didn't. I mean, at that time. It was a combination of drywall and that in that uh, what was the name of that board? That's like particle board. If you have what it's called, yeah, it's a name for it. But, yeah, uh, I know what you're talking about. So it had like 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 the particle board uh, uh, dividers, and it had the, the drywall. And at the time, you know, being an experienced, like, oh, I got to make this thing look like you know a class A. I got to rip everything out, put steel in. But no, I mean, people didn't mind renting. They minded. We did get complaints uh, on the ones that we ended up not doing. People don't like the drywall. At least where we're at. Right. But they they're they're okay with the wood dividers. So at the time I was I was thinking I had to replace everything, but you don't. You're kind of surprised what people are willing to rent. It just depends on the market. As long as it's you know looks okay and it's clean, there you know most people are okay renting that thing. So, but we the drywall we had to get rid of because it just looked awful and it had holes in it. And it was just one sheet, you know, and it just wasn't secure at all. Because um, we did have problems with with people stealing stuff, and you know the the, the biggest problem we have with theft and storage is is always like 
your tenants. <laughs> it's, yeah. It isn't someone like like breaking in. It's like people who rent units. Garnard who is the most honest people either, you know. So you have to keep it secure from the other tenants. But yeah, um, yeah so we decided. I mean, we spent no, somewhere about thirty thousand dollars at the time, you know, with all the steel and 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 trying changing out the units. Luckily, the doors were in good shape. Uh, but yeah, I mean, resealing the roofs. I mean, you name it, we had to do it to that place. So wow. Um, <laughs> So I want to I want to hit on something that that you talked a little bit about um, was you practiced underwriting you underwrote everything and mm-hmm. it's funny because I anybody that I talk to that's looking to get into any type of real estate investing or buying a business or whatever it's like I always ask them okay how long have you been looking and how many deals have you underwrote they're like well I've been looking for six months a year and then I ask them how many deals they they've, they've mm-hmm. underwritten and they're like well one or two. I'm like, what are you doing? You're yeah. never going to find a deal because you don't know what a deal is. Right. So practice underwriting to me is obviously you got to find deals, right? But right. like you said, you're not going to know what a deal is until you have practice underwriting and realize what a deal is not. And right. everyone's deal box is different, right? What works for you now? Well, And you just said it, you know, what works for you now probably didn't work for you. You couldn't buy that same facility today that you bought four years ago. Right. Right. Um, so your buy box changes and what may work for you may not work for me. So it's a really good point. You just have to practice underwriting. Um, that first deal, obviously, so you're in Maryland. This is, I think you said South Carolina, Mm -hmm. um, obviously playing right away. What I guess limitations beliefs did you have? Were you scared about investing out of state? What did that look like for you? Oh yeah. I think that's, that's pretty much, I've seen it for the other people too, who first come into the storage rebellion, they just start, you know, the question is, oh, can I really run these, you know, out of state? Even, even some of the banks that we talk to now, like, oh, you don't live less than half an hour from the facility. How are you going to run it? You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's a leap of faith to think you can buy an asset, you know, multiple States away and run it and be perfectly okay. Um, but, you know, people do it all the time. And, you know, it's, I mean, storage, we have the systems in place to do that now, but multifamily, I mean, it's, you just have to have good, good people helping you, you know, run it. But, you know, it was, it was a leap of faith for me even to say, you know, could I, you know, can I run this thing? And, and I mean, he, uh, there was another guy in our group who was doing a lot of wholesaling at the time, <clears throat> presented a uh, climate control facility in, I think it was West Virginia. And, you know, definitely a deal, but I, I was like, I didn't want to touch it because it, it was, it was like an enclosed building. It was like a building converted into climate. I'm like, how am I supposed to run that? That's too complicated. I can't run that remotely, but yes, you can. Um, yeah. It's just having faith in the systems. And, and when you don't have experience with it, it's hard just to be like, Oh yeah, this is going to work. You know, my boots is going to, you know, take care of things and you're going to have, you know, keys and call center and stuff like that. But um, it, it's at some point it's like, you can, you can underwrite, you know, to death, but you just have to take that leap of faith, you know, like, yeah when you're looking at a deal and, and you have to lease it up, do you know for sure you can lease it up? You never know for sure if you can lease it up. You just have to, you know, do the best you can and then, and then take that leap. So, yeah. Um, I want to get into all that stuff too. And I'm, I'm writing notes down so I don't forget. Uh, so we'll go back to the beginning of the deal. You brought in a partner. Mm-hmm. Why'd you bring in a partner? What did that structure look like? If you don't mind, and if you don't want to share numbers, don't share numbers, but how did that look? And why did you bring someone on? Why did um, you do it? Well, yeah, for me, it's like my, my bandwidth was limited, you know, because I was, I was still working four days a week. And, you know, when, when the thing that's kind of tough for me is when you're in a dental office, it's like there are no breaks. Like I can't make phone calls. Yeah. I can't send you. You can't do anything. Right. So it's like from eight to like five thirty, I'm in a dental chair. Everything has to be put aside. So I'm um, kind of limited with time. 
and uh, mental bandwidth too, you know? So I, I, I like, I personally like working with partners because it just takes a lot of load off of me and helps me move further faster and um, enables things to happen that, you know, would otherwise never happen or, you know, be difficult for me to do. Um, Cause you know, you have, you have, you have family too. You have kids, you have wife, you have home responsibilities I mean, you can't just like go right, right from work to your second job. You know, you have other things to do too. And you do have to sleep. <laughs> so, um, yeah, so I just like bringing a partner because, you know, Kavanaugh is, is, is a good friend of mine. He has, has lots of resources with his time and his knowledge and uh, money, too. So he, he, he brought some of the down payment. We actually, one of our uh, uh, real estate mentors uh, gave us the funding for the deal, like 100% finance the deal. Not 100%, not 100%. It was like 80% or something. He had to bring the down payment. But uh, financed most of the deal for us. Um, actually, he did 100% finance. It was the, the, the deal was 170000 to buy. And we needed wow. about, you know, 50, 80,000. Yeah, I know a 50 to 80,000 and fix up, you know, to get it, get it working. So he, he gave us a loan for like 200,000, which covered closing costs and some of the fix up. And then we each put money in to, to do the rest of the, I split a 50, 50 to do the rest of the fix up. Um, but it was good. You know, I, I just like having somebody on my team that can bounce ideas off of, you know, and, and help with like the admin and management stuff. Um, sure. So that makes sense. So how'd you set up your management day one? And on top of that, who took control with um, basically setting that up and then who could took control of the contractors doing all the CapEx work? Um, I think I did most of it. I mean, at at the time it was still 2020 and we were still kind of like not really working on a full schedule. You know, we're kind of in this weird uh, zone with COVID stuff. So I had to have a little extra bandwidth. So I, I took on the, the management, asset management, and also kind of the, the contractor, managing the contractors and stuff. Um, yeah, and that, that was like the fall of 2020. It was, that was, you know, pretty intense trying to get the place fixed up and turn around. Um, but once we did it, I mean, this, this is also interesting too. Um, occupancies back then during COVID for storage were, I think, a little elevated, actually a lot elevated, you know, because we, you know, we leased up to like almost hundred percent within a couple of months, within six months, we were, we were full. Um, <laughs> yeah. I don't think that would happen today as, as quickly, yeah. but um, once we saw that, we're like, Oh, this is great. This works. You know, we can make that. I can start thinking about expanding it. So we, right. You know, this is how we're going like 2021. Like, all right, let's do this. Let's, let's expand the place. Let's do, let's use that extra acre. Um, so we, we got a, a SBA loan from, from uh, bank five, nine to do the expansion. Um, we essentially refinanced it, paid off the, the private lender and uh, took out, a, I think it was like a million dollar loan to, to build the other, and ended up being like 20,000 square feet of mm-hmm. storage, uh, you know, two drive up buildings and a uh, climate building. Um, so we, that was it. That was 2022. We just did the development. Um, and it, we have an interesting thing in between, you know, in order to increase our cash flow so that we could, you know, handle the uh, mortgage payments during the lease up we ended up doing box bills, which are the mm-hmm. portable storage units. You can get Boxwell, I think .co or something like that. Um, we bought like 24 box wells and we kind of lined the fence line with the box well so we can continue to to lease up and, and, and increase our revenue while we're waiting for the storage units to be built. Um, so that was cool. That that worked great. They leased up, no problem. Um, and then I think we finished construction kind of the beginning of, put the buildings like online at the beginning of 2023. Um, and now we're in, we're in the midst of, of leasing up now. I think we're about 60% occupied. So, awesome. um, yeah. So That's it's just cool. you know, another year or two. Hopefully we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. So what would your management look like um, when you started? And how's that one? And we'll dive into other stuff too. 
but I want yeah, to management, sure. how it looked like then. How's it look now? <laughs> well, that, that's a whole story in and of itself. You know, it's, since that first deal in 2020, we've, we've gone on to buy, you know, with the other different partners and different business relationships, we wanted to buy another like 13 of these things. Mm. Um, we, and we sold some too. We sold four last year to, to kind of take some chips off the table. Um, so I think we own like eight or nine right now. Um, but uh, as we were adding to our portfolio, you know, and I, I wanted to do that because, you know, it's the, the efficiencies of scale. You know, when you have a bunch of units, now you can, you know, start putting, you know, third-party management in place. You can start doing cool things with call centers. And so I, I at the time, I was I was using a third-party management service, um, you know, because, again, I, I wanted to offload a lot of as much responsibility as possible because I was still kind of limited bandwidth. I was working like three days a week at that time. And I'm like, all right, I want somebody to take over operations. I don't want to think about it. I want it to be run well. Um, and we had a, had a group that, you know, it seemed to be, seemed to be okay. So we went ahead and, and, and gave all our properties over to this group. Um, how early? So who? Yeah. What did you do before that? And how early? Uh, what what time frame did you switch over? We probably I switched over pretty quickly. I I'm trying to remember like how many I had before I, I hired a third party manager. I think we might have had. You know, I might have only had two or three before I went to third party. And, and so what did you do before? You weren't taking the phone calls. I was no, no. We had called. Well, there was a uh, there was a software company, Easy Storage Solutions. They had their own in-house call center. Yeah. So we just hired Easy Storage Call Center, and at, at the time, you know, you know, there were some issues with the call center. It wasn't wasn't great, so we had to start looking elsewhere. Yep. Um, but we had them. We had the boots on the ground guy. We had the call center, and, and it was just me, you know, doing handling you know any issues that came through the call center. So you know, after two or three or four of those, it starts to get overwhelming. Yeah. Uh, and then we, we needed to move quick to, to uh, third-party management. Um, sure. But uh, yeah, so so we hired a third-party manager. We kept buying properties. And, you know, we realized quite quickly that, you know, just talking with, with other people, you know, in their group, um, third-party management may not be all that, that it, you know, it, the problem with third-party management is they have a lot of other properties that they're worried about. They might, they might be managing 100 properties or 200 properties. Um, so they can't really spend all their time on, on just yours, you know, and that you have meetings where they even say then like, look, we got, we got 100 other properties to manage. We really can't put, you know, as and much more time into this one. I'm like, all right, you know, I'm kind of done here. <laughs> so, we need to, you know, worry about our own assets. Cause you know, to them, you're just one of a hundred properties, but to you, it's like a multi-million dollar asset, you know? Yep. So, um, so we went ahead and, and, and started bringing things in house. So we started hiring mm-hmm. our own call center and our own managers that we could control and, and, you know, with the policies and the training and stuff. So that, that's where we're at now. As of like August of of this year, of last year, we uh, we switched to our own kind of in-house management team. So that's that's nice. So far. That's awesome. Um, so, yeah, I think we all kind of, not all, but a lot of us, especially, um, you know, in, in Wagner's group, started with the remote management with ESS, Easy Source Solutions, the software in the call center. Call center went to garbage 20... 21 because mm-hmm. COVID happened and people stopped working on site and everyone found out, Oh, I can just hire this cheap call center. Right. So they stopped taking phone calls. So we all found a different solution. Um, what was your experience with third party management? What did they do? And I guess what was the, I, I know you explained a little bit of it, but there had to have been like a final straw where you're like, this is it. We're going to bring this in house. Uh, but yeah, first of all, what, <laughs> yeah. what all did they do? And then I guess what happened to make you decide to, pulled in. Huh? Yeah. I mean, it, 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 looked good. You know, they, the thing I really liked about them is they, uh, 
they would onboard for you. So you would buy a new property and they would send somebody out there to like put the gate control system in, change the signage, you do everything, get the boots trained. I mean, they, it was like, you didn't have to go out there. Like yeah. you just, you just remote sign, you close your, close your property and they would do everything else for the onboarding, which is awesome. Um, because for me, it's, it's like I said, it's hard for me to get out of, you know, get out of work to go make a trip to go do that stuff. So that was essential for me. Uh, and then, then they had their own call center and, you know, they had like a, like uh, regional managers and they had on-site guys that would come go visit the property every quarter. Uh, and then they had, you know, the boots guys that they would hire and train. And it, it was like a, it was, it was soup to nuts, you know, done for you. Um, so, so we thought, you know, this is great. You know, they're going to handle everything for us. And we don't, you don't have to worry about it, you know, just have monthly meetings and, and look at reports and, and that's it. Um, but we started to notice that, you know, just, just things weren't, the thing that really bugged me was the customer service was, was not great with the tenants, you know, because the, the tenant would have a problem. They would call and then they wouldn't be able to get a resolution. They have to submit a ticket because the call center couldn't really resolve anything. They were kind of limited to what they could do. So they'd submit a ticket and a ticket would go to some, some other mailbox. And then, you know, at the time, I don't know if it's changed, might've changed. Maybe they've evolved since then, but it would either sit there or wouldn't, it wouldn't get, it would take two to four days to resolve a tenant issue if it ever got resolved. Hmm. And, you know, we're talking somebody's there with like a lock they can't get into or they they try to rent a unit and has stuff in it and they need to get another unit, stuff like that. And, and we just got like a sea of one-star reviews and we noticed that people were moving in and moving out real quick, you know, because they just couldn't get, you know, <clears throat> the problem with, with uh, remote management, when you buy a facility that used to have a manager on site and then you get rid of that manager and, and run it remotely, the customer service isn't the same. It's just not as same as having somebody you can knock on the door and have and resolve something or some friendly face there, you know? So the, it's for me, for remote manager, customer service must be hundred percent, must be first class. You know, you might be able to resolve issues quickly on the phone immediately, you know, otherwise they'll just go somewhere else where, where they can get better service. So that's what was happening. You know, they were moving out. They were, you know, our, our occupancies weren't, weren't growing as quickly as they needed to be. You know, I was, uh, with a certain software called store edge, a different software than the easy storage, the same company that owns the two, you can actually record your incoming calls. So I had our calls being recorded. So I was sitting there listening to the interactions of the tenants and it was just, it was, it was driving me crazy. So, and then we had meetings about it and we talked about it and it didn't really seem to get much resolution. And, and we had a couple of properties that just really underperformed. And it's, I just can't, we just can't do this anymore. And yeah, then we had a situation where we had a property we had sold and went under contract, you know, it was supposed to close in like a month and a half later. And they're just like, oh, it's sold. We don't have to run this thing anymore. And the property went the crap during the contract period. And the buyer got super pissed. We had to give him an extra $10,000 at closing mm. because of it, the, the place was a mess. So um, after that, I'm like, all right, I, I need to, I need to take this stuff in house. So then we started looking towards, you know, who can we hire? Who can we work with? You know, uh, we started hiring VAs and um, luckily we, we found somebody who was starting their own management company, but was, and they, they said, look, you, you go ahead and start your own thing. We'll be your first clients. And they wanted to keep it small. And then they're just, they're just running our stuff now. So that's how, that's what we're doing right now. Nice. So it's same type of setup where <clears throat> you're still remote. You don't have people on site, uh, right. other than boots on the ground that's checking in and out. Uh, but you've got, a better call center and do they have like a regional manager how, how does their structure work not really it's it's just boots we, we have a we have a va who handles like collections and handles like it's it's a kind of an unusual va the guy is the guy's great phenomenal like worked in corporate and stuff like that and, mm. and uh just so happens he lives in mexico but he used to used to own like seven cinnabons or something like that so kind of an unusual find um, but he's happy to help us, you know, run our stuff. So he runs our collections and he, 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 he runs the boots guys and he runs like the CapEx and does a great job 
that stuff. Um, put spreadsheets together with KPIs and stuff like that for us. Um, so we, we so we pay him as kind of like a virtual assistant for running like the admin and backend. And then we have um, the person who started her, her own management company that we hired, who's just answering calls, but she's kind of the manager and and the call center, so she can handle anything. Yeah. You know, when the call comes in, she can handle anything. She's she's the manager, so there's no none of this you know passing the ticket or you know. And then tenants get to talk to the same person every time they call, so she knows everybody and what the issues are. And then she has other people helping answer calls for us also. So we have you know, a couple of people in the call center, uh, and then we have the VA, and then we also have all the boots that we, we we're lucky we have all of the boots that we have we like. You know, they're they're all dedicated and you know. And, and the thing with the boots, like I, I try not to micromanage them, like like. For, for the boots job, I feel like a lot of the benefits of being a boots guy is, you know, you're free to come and go and get your job done when you want. You know, I like to let them do, you know, within reason, you know, it's a problem solved the way they see fit as long as you know what they're doing and they're good people. Um, but they seem to enjoy that. Like they can come to me with say, Hey, I got this issue and I did this and like, great, you know, whatever, however you think is best, go ahead and solve that. You know, however you feel is the best way to do that. So it's like the freedom and then the extra money it's, you know, a lot of our boots are, are semi-retired or retired. And this is a great, you know, job for them to do to kind of supplement their retirement income. Um, you have some guys that, that are that are young and they're just like, you know, just doing this type of work. So it's it's worked out so far. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, so tell us about your management. Obviously, you've scaled really quickly here in the past four years. Uh, yeah. Sounds like you had thirteen, sold off a few. Yeah. <clears throat> what What's your buy box? Just in general, what What are you looking for now? Uh, we're We're kind of looking for. <sighs> I've kind of switched. I'm really interested in cash flow now over, over because we have a bunch of properties that we're in the middle of either doing a conversion or, or doing a build. Um, and a lot, a lot of stuff we've bought, you know, it's, it's like a year or two before it starts to cash flow because it's such a heavy lift, you know, we got to do the repair to the CapEx, turn the management around. Um, so what, what me and my partner are looking for now is just stuff that's kind of stabilizing cash flowing. Now we, we kind of want to build up our cash flow. Like I, I want to kind of be able to say, all right, you know, I, I'm I'm financial independent. I can I can stop the, the dental job if I want. You know, or it might just keep working. Who knows? But um, if you know, it, so we're, we currently have a deal in the contract where it cash flows from day one. There isn't a whole lot of capex needed. There's not a heavy lift. It's just already remote managed and ready to go. Um, so we like to do those. Do a couple more of those. Just just add you know stabilized uh, assets to portfolio just to increase our, our cash flow at this point. Um, and then of course we'll still look for the ones that maybe need some some fix up, but. Um, I, I think at this point, I, I want to kind of build on the on the on the cash flow on the portfolio, and not the stuff that I want. You know, well, I'm not not get paid on for like years from now. You know. Yeah. So the ones that you bought previous were heavier lifts, uh, mm-hmm. more equity upside. Um, whether you refinance or sell, mm-hmm. so more of an equity boom and not really cash flowing as much. Was that by design, or was that just finding those deals and you're like, yeah, this is a deal. Let's take it down. Honestly, pretty much, it's what we. That's what we. You know, we, we took what we can get at that point, you know, um, yeah. and we weren't at that point, you know, we didn't, we didn't have a ton. So we weren't afraid of, of, of the heavy lifts, you know, yep. um, but now we're at the point where, okay, we, we we're in the middle of stuff, you know, and there's only so much that I want to, you know, put in my plate at one time. So, yep. What kind of markets, what kind one, what kind of markets are you looking at? And then when you're doing, um, this is something that you talked about earlier, I want to touch on. What are you looking at in the market? So what kind of markets are you looking at? And then what are you looking at in the market when you're looking at storage facilities? 
so before, and that's changed too. Before it was like I could I would buy anything, you know, anything I could find, you know, you know, we, we know it would most likely lease up, and then everyone was was trying to get you know storage from everywhere. So we pretty much bought anywhere. Um, as long as it seemed like a safe market and, and there was low crime and it, it seemed like a like a decent you know place where there was there was customers or a customer base. So now I'm, I'm a little more, more selective. Like I'm, maybe I'm not looking in the rural areas as much or in, or in the super tertiary markets. Um, I'm looking more in the secondary markets. Um, I, I want to see a decent population. I want to see some growth too, because mm-hmm. um, now I'm not as certain as I used to be that we're going to be able. If, if I if I have a place that's you know 30% occupied, you know I'm not as certain I'm going to be able to lease that place up as I used to be. You know now I'm like okay, look, there has to be a reason people need storage in this market. Are they moving into the market? Is the population growing? Are there new development? Is there apartments? Is there something there that I can tap into to kind of you know, give us some headwind, you know, I, I, I think that the theme now is I'm a little bit of headwind now. I want to be able to, to go on a market that I know is growing or because there's a potential for growth. And I don't, I don't want to gamble with, you know, going in a space and then hoping that I can, I can lease up. So yeah. that's, no, it's a good plan. And I've been, I mean, I'm guilty of, you know, doing what, what you've been doing too, is just, it's a deal. It's mm-hmm. for me, I'm looking for cash flow, and if it's cash flowing, I'm fine with it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I have not looked at towns. I'm in, I'm in Ohio. I'm in the Midwest, like mm-hmm. towns other than where I live, Columbus, Ohio, everything else is not growing. It's the same. Yeah. It's been the same for the past 80 years. Yeah. Probably not going to change. Right. Um, but I have not started looking at growing population. So how are you finding those statistics to find what areas are growing? Um, I'm looking at the, the markets and mill chat puts out a report. Um, I, I look at a lot of the multifamily stuff, you know, they do a multifamily mm-hmm. report. They kind of show the regions where there's growth and, and where, where people are moving to. There's something like I haven't, I've heard this several times in storage circles. I haven't accessed it myself, but the U-Haul report that kind of shows where mm-hmm. the U-Haul trucks are going. That sounds very interesting to look at. Um, like, you know, where the U-Haul trucks are going, where people are going to need storage. Right. So, um, but that, that's pretty much, you know, just, just kind of studying demographic chan, tra- uh, trends, kind of seeing where, you know, where big employers are moving into. Um, I, I just re- recently read that, uh, that Tesla leased a huge warehouse. I think it was a Texas town. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that, that's interesting town to look at. Um, but, you know, just just stuff like that. Just just try to get in front of where people are going and where they want to go and kind of see, you know, you because know, things go in cycles. Population movements go in cycles. And um, as places become very expensive or too expensive for people to live. They're going to search out other desirable places where the cost of living is less. And that's where the population is going to want to, mi- to, to migrate to. So um, I think a lot of re- all this remote work stuff has made people more open to moving, you know, other places. So that's an interesting dynamic to look at. Um, yeah. But it's, it's just doing some homework and, and just studying what's happening and uh, just kind of taking bets on, on where you think people are going to want to be. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Well, it's uh uh, before we start to wrap up here, you've obviously, I mean, four short years, you've grown tremendously. It's awesome to, to watch you grow. And obviously, you know, the network that we've been around and you've come to an LFG event, like bouncing ideas off each other, watching other people grow, taking ideas from other people is definitely helpful. Um, what do you, th- what's next for you? Um, right now you know, I, I took a leap of, well, not really a leap of faith, but people always, you know, they're always like, so Mike, when are you going to quit? Right. <laughs> like, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, I, I think going down from, from three days to two days a week at, at the, at the dental was a, was a big leap for me. You know, um, mm-hmm. I want to focus on, 
and we, we, we've done a lot of syndication over the last year. We've, we've brought on investors and, you know, that's, that's been fun. I enjoy, you know, syndicating deals. Um, but I, I think for me, it's, it's just, you know, this year we'd like to buy a couple more, you know, stabilized cash flowing assets, you know, even if it's like, look at stuff that's listed and talk to brokers and make offers and mm-hmm. just find deals that you want to try to, to get investors a good return, but also be able to you know, provide cash flow for ourselves as well so that we can continue to grow. So I think that's, I think cash flow is, is the bottom line for us this year. We're just going to look for cash flow. That's awesome. That's awesome. So kind of a, a typical, or I guess my typical podcast question, what are you, better at than anybody else in the world um i don't think i'm i think there's a lot of really smart people out there <laughs> I, I don't think i'm better at any you know i my i i know what i really enjoy and I, you know things that i really enjoy you know i, I tend to want to learn about and, and get good at for me it's 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 underwriting deals and putting deals together you know the the deal structure the underwriting of the deal you know the projections and stuff like that that's the thing that i really enjoy um Interestingly, with my partners set up, I always try to find partners who are good at acquisitions, you know, because mm-hmm. for, for whatever reason, you know, going out there and, 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 and snooping out the deal is not really something I enjoy doing as much. I enjoy, you know, the underwriting, the deal structure, you know, talking to investors, putting deals together, the, the financing, you know, communicating with the banks, all that stuff, um, the asset management. Um, so with my partner relationships, they're usually the ones who are out there, you know, finding the deals and then bring them to the table. So. That's yeah, a, it's that's smart. Website. I mean, yeah, you're taking your, you know, you say that's you don't have like a, a superpower or something yeah. that you're better at, but obviously you do, right? You underwrite deals, you can do projections. Um, not there's very few people that can do that. Yeah. Um, so obviously that's a superpower. Um, uh, but you're smart in working with others that can find deals. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's smart. You've got to you can't both be great at finding deals, right? Because or both great at you can't be great at the same things because right. you're just not going to mesh and you're going to fight over things. Um, so that's awesome, man. So anything else you want to leave us with before uh, uh, you tell us where people, people can find you? Um, no, I mean, I'm trying to think of, you know, the super smart thing to end with. Um, not really. It's, 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 I, I think one, one of the things that there, there's a good book out there called, e- uh, called ego is the enemy. Mm. Um I find, you know, just with the whole social media culture and stuff and, 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 you know, everyone's out there and like, it's like, Oh, look at all these deals I got this year. All these deals I got that year. And like, like for me that it doesn't really matter. Like, what do you need to do? Like focus on your own stuff, you know, focus on your life and your resources and your situation and, and just do what's best for you. And don't worry about what everyone else is doing, you know? And it's, it's been something it's a learning process for me. It's like checking your ego out the door and just don't try to do these big deals. Cause you think it makes you look cool or whatever. Just, just, do the things that are appropriate for your situation. Look at your life and and don't overcomplicate things. Try to keep things simple and make sure you have room for the important stuff, you know? So, man, that's so powerful. I'm glad I asked you to, to say something else because that's, <laughs> uh, it's funny. And, and I've been talking about to a few guys about this and I joined um, a new mastermind that I've talked about, but it's funny because everyone's like, how many units do you have? Right. How many doors do you have? How many square feet do you have? Oh, I just raised $40 million or I've got $120 million worth of real estate. Yeah. What does all that mean? How much money are you really making? How much freedom do you have? Right. Like there's so much that's not talked about, but it's the ego thing. That's how many doors, how many units, how many square feet. None of that stuff matters, right? You could have $100 million worth of real estate, but it's only worth $98 million. It's pointless, right? Um, Right. And my guess is a lot of people are in that boat. Um, especially now that values have dropped. 
So right. no, that, that's awesome point, man. That's uh, that's. By the way, that's a universal human nature thing, too. Like when we go to dental conferences, it's like, how many root canals do you do? How many employees do you have? How many offices do you have? It's like like everybody's looking, you know, for elsewhere to to make themselves feel better. Like, how how do I measure up to what other people are doing? And it doesn't matter. How's your quality of life? What's your relationship with your wife and kids? You know, are you able to keep healthy and, and, and take time off and enjoy yourself? That's all that matters. That's all that matters, man. That's awesome. That's a great place to end too. That was awesome, man. Uh, where can people find you if they want to reach out to you? Um, they can, I'll, you know, I'll just throw out, they can reach me by throw out my email. Uh, it's my last name's M O R E N O M two zero one three at gmail.com. That's my email for when I want to schedule a call. Also, um, we have our websites, uh, mystorageinvestments.com. That's where we have kind of shows our portfolio and what our current offerings are in case you want to see what we're up to. Um, and that's about it. You know, I'm, I'm welcome. If I want you to reach out, I'm welcome to talk. You know, I love talking storage. And if anybody needs help with anything, just reach out. And send Mike some deals too. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Let's all look at some deals. Awesome, man. Well, again, appreciate you coming on and uh, we'll see you guys next time. All right. Thanks so much. Thanks for following, subscribing, and listening to this episode of the Do More podcast hosted by John Farling. To learn more or ask questions, go to L4 Investing dot com.